We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Everyone, welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We have the triumphant return of a popular guest this week. He is the book reviewer for Chess Life magazine here in the United States. He is the newly appointed digital editor for U.S. Chess, which can be read across the world, of course. And he's joining us live from St. Louis at the U.S. Championships. John Hartman, welcome back. Hello, everyone. It's great to be back. So, of course, John, as you probably know, we got to get the man on the ground report to start off. How's everything in St. Louis? Um, it is, it's one thing to see the championship on the YouTube stream, which they do an amazing job. Um, I I got to see a little bit of the, the behind the scenes stuff today and the work that goes into it and the very tiny space in which they make it happen. This, this underground dungeon-esque kind of, uh, kind of room. It's pretty amazing, but to be here in person and to, to see the grandmasters come downstairs after the round and see their their elation or their despair, uh, it, it really makes it very, very real. So 
anyone who gets a chance to come to see a big tournament here, especially something like the U.S. Championships, uh, don't miss out. It, it's 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 well worth your time and money. Yeah, and you're not the first guest to to uh, give this report, of course. And um, I know that this is your first time going in a professional capacity. Have you made it there uh, as as a fan in the past? I have. I was here a long time ago. I think. I don't even dare say how many years ago, but they they didn't have the the recording studio in the basement yet. It was there was a classroom and there was a library, like a a, a little little set of bookshelves that had a you know informants and old Dover chess books and and some random things thrown in. But it's 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 a very different place now, uh, especially with the the addition of the Kingside Diner, um, and it's being available for for analysis during big events like this. They um today they had Alejandro Ramirez and Eric Hansen sitting in the room analyzing the games for anyone who happened to wander in. So uh that's that's a really nice thing that you can access here on site if you happen to make it. Yeah, that's definitely enticing. Um and I, I know it's a it's named the Kingside Diner. Just out of curiosity, do they serve drinks there? Oh yes. Oh man, that's the good life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it, it wouldn't be a chess-related institution without adult beverages. So. Excellent. Yeah, that that sounds pretty good to me. Um, so what's your so we'll get to your actual general role as the digital editor for U.S. Chess, but what's what's your role in St. Louis? So I came out here to. <laughs> To do some reporting uh, online, so I've been handling the Twitter feed for U.S. Chess for the last three days. So you can follow that at, uh, at U.S. Chess on Twitter. And I've been fortunate to get quick little video interviews with Jennifer Yu, who is right now crushing the field. Oh, my goodness. It's crazy. Yeah, five and a half out of six. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this will be, be old news, we should say, by the time, by the time this comes out a week that's from. That's true. She, she, knock on wood, you know, she, she well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to play favorites, but I mean, who knows what will happen at the moment. We, we just finished round six. Uh, tomorrow was the rest day. So right now, Jennifer Yu's in first with five and a half. I think Anna Zatonsky is right behind uh, by half a point. And then Tata Vabrahamian, uh, who's on fire right now. She yeah, is in three third. In Shout and out to Tatya. She, uh, she, uh, she played some great games in the last few days. Uh, in the open division, uh, the open section, I think Hikaru is in first with four. And then if I remember, there's a bunch of people at three and a half. So I'm actually pulling up the standings right now. Yeah, Fabiano uh, won his game today. Really a, a very nice game against Jeffrey Zhang. He's at three and a half. Uh, Dominguez is at three and a half. Wesley So is at three and a half. Sevian is at three and a half. It's, you know, the difference between first and, and last in the in the Open Championship is only two points. So... You know, really, it, it feels like anyone can take this home. It's just going to be a matter of who who is playing well uh, come a week from now. So yeah, it's true. Although today was the day in the men's section in particular where I felt like it was wait, wait, wait. The... open section. Open. Section. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, that's a good. <laughs> no, that's just, it's a good point. It's 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 a serious. Uh, it's a valid correction. Um, but today um, was the first day where I felt like okay, the cream the cream is sort of rising to the top. I mean, you look at the top three names and there's Nakamura so and Caruana granted as you said Dominguez is right there with them and of course Sam Shanklin proved last year that you know it's not just the big three anymore but but still I mean when you had uh all due respect to the young phenom Jeffrey Zhang but when when he was up top and Sevian was right behind him I just I felt like it wasn't it wasn't the U.S. championship just yet 
There's there's some sense, and and I don't want to speak for anybody else except for myself, but I think there's some sense here in St. Louis that um, Zhang Zhang and, and and in particular Sevian may be ready for a breakout. Sevian just picked up uh, an individual medal at the World Teams in Kazakhstan, and I think people were very very impressed with his play there. So uh, and and Zhang of course is just an immense talent. His game against Shanklin, I think in round two, uh, if you haven't seen it. I'm sorry, uh, was it round two? No, it was round three. We have uh, Kostya Kavutsky doing uh, annotations for Chess Life Online each day, and his notes to that game for round three were just beautiful. Yeah, so I've, if you haven't seen it, please do uh, go over to you know uh, Chess Life Online and check it out. Yeah, and I'll put a, a link to, to that in the show description. But And I did play through the game, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Do, can you refresh my memory if you recall what opening was that? Game. It was uh, it was a was scotch. It the scotch. Okay, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. with the, the knight of three shot, and then that rookie five move that just blew everybody's mind. Yeah, Al Lawrence, uh, you know, Al Lawrence, who was a former director of uh, U.S. Chess and also uh, an editor of Chess Life, I think he. Yeah, an author. We, we were sitting. And, yeah. We were trying to figure out what was going on, uh, you know, afterwards with rookie five, and our, our minds were. I, I could feel it just sort of turning into pudding, trying to figure it out. It was, it was a very very impressive game, and. You know, I mean, I, my sense is that Zhang is actually a, a very good strategic player, uh, but I, I didn't realize his calculation was was this good. So, uh, really, a beautiful game. Yeah. So, so yeah. Again, I'll I'll put a link to that, and hopefully, we'll we'll see some more gems in these coming rounds. So, um, uh, just to give us a little more perspective on St. Louis, is there anything that's surprised you other than the um, the surprisingly small amount of space that they they pull off this uh large scale production in well i mean I, I think there's an elephant in the room that we do need to talk about uh the 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 gary situation in oh yeah okay. in round four um i am not privy to a lot of things so i only sort of know the facts uh as they're publicly known uh gary have decided to play um in the mid-america open which is uh, which was occurring this past weekend from the what from the today is Monday right so this would have been the twenty second and twenty third uh, he decided to play twenty third and twenty fourth excuse me he decided to play in in the first round of the Mid America Open and uh, he got here a little bit late and so th- there were some questions about uh, exactly what was going on and eventually as it all sorted itself out uh, he. He he did get here on time, and he did not continue playing in the mid uh, the, the Mid America Open. So all's well that ends well, and uh, he he did have he did have a nice win yesterday against the Wonder Liang, uh, where he yeah. he's, he's sort of uh, sucking out as a poker term, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of sucked out that ending, uh, but uh, I think he 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 his luck ran out today against Takaru. So yeah, well, he pulled a rabbit out of his hat. The game that he was late for with uh, uh, with goodness, the, that swindle, the cheap yeah. he recorded the Yasser. Yeah, it's he he told me afterwards. I, I talked to him afterwards a little bit, and he he said it was not preplanned. He said that he he after he, after he played rook a four and and then Sevian played a three. He realized his rook was trapped, and he thought he was dead in the water, and he was getting ready to resign, and then he. He just stumbled on this 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 swindle, and yeah, uh, yeah it, it was um, it, it was a made for YouTube moment. Yeah. So if anyone missed that 
that the swindle of which we speak we'll link to that we try not to go off on too many like uh variation tangents here on this audio only podcast i, I but, should because i'm not capable of doing <laughs> it but I'll, I'll and let's give a little more background about the timor gureyev story so the person we're referring to is timor gureyev uh legendarily uh iconoclastic uh grandmaster who's been on the show and was on the cover of chess life uh skydiving uh you know free spirit and blindfold chess wizard um um, Sorry, my phone just went off. I apologize. I oh didn't no worries. It. <laughs> That's actually a perpetual first somehow. But you know, it was I... actually it, it was actually if it makes you feel better, it was also a uh, former perpetual chess guest. It was John Watson. Oh, funny. All right. Yeah, we the incredible guest John Watson. Shout out to big friend of the pod, John Watson. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, and getting back to the Timor Gureyev issue, so what happened was it turned out he was playing two tournaments at once, um, which obviously that's um, not something for. You know, an event of the stature of the U.S. Championship, you would expect uh, you would expect players to give it their full attention. And you know, first place in the other tournament that he was playing was like two thousand dollars, and you know, you're getting at least that to play in the U.S. Championship, no matter what place you come in. So, um, yeah, not a good look, as they would say. I mean, I, I like Timor, and uh, I've had good interactions with him, but um, probably not the the best decision ever made. Uh, but as you say, it's been rectified, and we're we're moving forward. Um, so. Apart from your your duties in St. Louis and covering this event, what are your general duties as digital editor for, for U.S. Chess? So, yes. Yeah, so I am now the digital editor for U.S. Chess for Chess Life Online. And my duties really are, well, first of all, to take some of the burden off uh, of Jennifer because she was doing uh, immense amounts of work and yeah i don't know uh, how many people knew sorry sorry to cut you off no, it's but, okay. but i don't know how many people knew that jen was the person behind the curtain of the us chess twitter feed because it it was always funny to me because she's basic you know she's a chess celebrity basically yep. and it's kind of um it's a rather anonymous job but but yeah up until you took over that was a uh, that was Jen doing that, among many other things. Well, she's she's still doing it, and so she, you know, the tweets uh, could come from me or Jen. Uh, sometimes oh, I think no. Dan Lucas might even chime in. Wow, now I'm going to be like trying to trying to break down each one, trying to trying to place my bets on who's who's wording gonna, it is. Yeah, you're going to need to buy some software to do like linguistic analysis, <laughs> right, exactly, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so she she will be doing some of that, and she'll still be writing for Chess Life Online. But uh, I think she is going to be taking on some more responsibilities with U.S. Chess as the women's program director. So uh, I don't know if you'd heard, but we just had a $100,000 donation by the Sink Fields to U.S. Chess that is earmarked specifically for women's programs. Awesome. And so she will be uh, leading efforts to boost uh, girls and women participation in in chess. So uh, really a, a worthy thing as the parent of a four-year-old girl. Um, I, I, I'm super excited to see this, the Karen's cup, for example, which, uh, just happened here a couple of weeks ago, you know, 10 of the strongest women in the world playing, I mean, just blood sport chess. I oh, mean, it was great. Be, yeah. Oh God, it was gorgeous. And the, it was just beautiful attacking, you know, wonderful games. Uh, and, and, you know, this is, this is, again, this is all happening here at St. Louis. It seems like they have something going on here every, I mean, every month there's, quarterly uh what they call the spring classic or the summer classic the classic series where one of the tournaments is roughly you know 2650 in 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 average rating the other is somewhere in the 2500s uh they have norm tournaments here so they're trying to 
do GM and IM norm tournaments on a semi-regular basis. And I'm not getting paid to say any of this. It's just th- these are the these are the facts of the matter. It's uh, they're doing a lot for chess here, and it's you know, increasingly, if it were possible, to become more and more the center of uh, of chess, both in America and really in the world. Um, I, I think that's that's happening. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And we should mention. I mean, I think most listeners will be aware of this, but Jen launched a monthly chess podcast, which you know complements the other U.S. chess podcast. Hers is called Ladies Nights. So, as part Correct. of the as part of the uh, <clears throat> uh, the initiative of promoting women in chess, she interviews a different woman from the chess world uh, each month. So, if you're not subscribed to that, uh, you you need to rectify that. But but yeah, I mean it's uh it's incredible and like you say, I mean obviously getting getting a player like uh this is not uh not vis-a-vis ladies chess, but getting uh Lanier Dominguez to um come over to the US from Cuba, um adding another strong player to the field is just one more um one more symbol of all that's going on in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh and and I do want to point out so uh Jen's podcast Ladies Night, I think she just had um, Natasha Regan, who was one of the co-authors of the the Alpha Zero book, Game Changer, which I'm sure we'll talk about shortly. So that's only one of the podcasts that U.S. Chess is doing. We actually, right now, we have three going on. They uh, they drop every Tuesday, and we're adding a fourth next month. So on the first Tuesday of the month, Dan Lucas is doing cover stories, which is uh, devoted to the the month's edition of Chess Life. So they'll talk to the primary author of the lead story. And also talk about other things that are going on um, in the magazine and also on the website. I was actually just a guest on there in the March podcast because of the the new job. And also, I uh, I was asked uh, very uh, I was very lucky to be asked before I was hired full time by US Chess because I guess they don't let full time employees do this sort of thing. But I was the subject of the uh, My Best Move. Uh, column at the end of the March issue of Chess Life. Yeah, and you tore it up. Good job. You worked, you. worked in the perpetual chess plug. I mean, how, I, how can I, I, I will always plug you, Ben. <laughs> I mean, this is, you, you've made me. You've made my career. <laughs> And uh, I am eternally grateful. Oh, th- thank you. You're, you're too kind. <laughs> uh, so, so Cover Stories is the first Tuesday of the month. Uh, the second Tuesday is one move at a time where Dan Lucas, who is the senior director of communic- uh, the director, the senior director of communications, I, I totally botched the title. I apologize, Dan. He, he's the head honcho for communications for U.S. Chess. Uh, he's doing a podcast where he talks to people who are doing interesting things in the chess world. Ladies' Night is the third Tuesday with Jen, where she'll be talking to different players and figures who uh, revolving around women in chess. And then there's a new pod, uh, podcast with National Master Pete Karyanis. Uh It's called Chess Underground, and it debuts in, in next month in April. And the, the line I got about it is that we'll feature eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. If you've read any of his articles for Chess Life, um, those three words will probably make sense. His articles are... Um, very different than normal chess life fair. So I, I think it should be very interesting to hear what Pete comes up with. Cool. I knew about the first three. I didn't know about this uh, forthcoming one. So yeah, that'll be fun to check for. And I actually the, just, I just learned about it today. So the, it, it, it was supposed to come out this week and there were some technical issues. So they pushed to next month, but okay. it, it will be out. Yeah. Because there's so many stories from chess that still are not being told in an audio format. I mean, I, I do the best I can. With my little show, but as an avid podcast listener, I, I I hear things across the landscape in other forums, and I'm always thinking, would that work for chess? Would that work for chess? And sometimes it would, sometimes it wouldn't, but most of it isn't being done is the bottom line. 
Right. So, and, so bring and, it on. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned Game Changer. Of course, uh, one of the sensations uh, in terms of the uh, books in this golden age of books in the past um, in in the past year or two. And listeners, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but obviously, if you haven't already, you should listen to my first interview with John. Um, it was about 14 months ago. Um, and I re-listened to it, John, and it, it, it aged like a fine wine. Um, Thank you. Just like me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, but yeah, just tons and tons. We we went. We talked about so many chess books. I say we, by which I basically nodded my head, <laughs> while while John um, went through a litany of his favorite chess books. Which I mean, they're, they're, he's a he's a big authority on the topic. So anyway, listeners, you might even want to just pause this and listen to that, and you'll get any background you don't have about John, and you'll learn a ton about chess books, and you'll feel like you have a giant reading list. But but we're about to expand that reading list. So John, first of all, I know that you've you've um, reviewed this if memory serves or at least will be but what what was your thought on game changer uh so game changer i believe it's going to be in the april issue i think that's right let me let me check i'm, I'm yeah march was joel benjamin's book better yeah, thinking better which, chess we'll, which we'll get to that yeah yeah um because i mean you had him on the podcast actually i listened to the podcast as part of the the preparation for my little interview with him at u.s chess uh so very very useful and actually gave me a question which uh, in turns out, it turns out wasn't fair, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Game changer. I, I mean, what what can you say about this book that hasn't been said? Uh, Alpha Zero for me. It's it's funny when by the time this this podcast comes out, the review will be out. And if you don't get Chess Life, you can always go to my my blog, chessbookreviews.wordpress.com, where I put up off prints, so to speak, of everything I well, not everything I write, everything I write for the book reviews. And it's nice because it's not often that you get to work a, a Freud quote into the into the lead for a story. Uh, so I, w- I was really happy to talk about Freud and uh, the the three great hits to human narcissism that that he he describes in a piece from like 1917. It's Copernicus. Oh goodness, who was it? it? Was Copernicus, Darwin, and someone who I'm forgetting at this point. Alpha Zero is kind of like that for chess players, or you know. Uh, I should backtrack. Deep Blue was kind of like that for chess players because, you know, something that we thought we could never be defeated at suddenly just destroyed our hopes and dreams and uh, did quite a number on Garry Kasparov, too, for what it's worth. Alpha Zero, I think, is kind of like redemption because mm-hmm. uh, when you look at some of the games that Sadler and Regan present and, and you look at the way they present them, I think they make a fairly coherent case for the idea that what makes Alpha Zero so impressive is that it plays like us at our absolute best. It plays like humans wish they could if we had the calculative ability of computers. So it plays, I don't want to say speculative attacks. Well, it kind of, it, it does kind of play speculative attacks that, you know, if, if it was one of us playing against Stockfish, Stockfish would just laugh, I mean, literally laugh and, and brush us aside like the fleas that we are. But somehow AlphaZero is, is so talented that it is able to bamboozle the, the, our metal friends, these silicon beasts, and it wins. Um, so it, it's, it's, you know, when Kasparov talked about sacrificing for quality, uh, the, this sort of non-tangible feature of a, of a chess position that, that only the, the greatest geniuses really seem to be able to touch, that's what AlphaZero was doing in its games. And, you know, I mean... 
it's 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 really impressive. I, I was also very glad to see, by the way, this is a new trend that I'm seeing different publishers do. Um, Newman Chess has made the games from that book without the analysis, but the games available in PGN format. So if you go to Newman Chess, and I think if you go to the bottom of the page, it says something along the lines of Newman Chess book downloads or something, and you can download the PGNs, the bare game scores of every single game in the book so that you can review it with a computer, which is, it's a very nice value add that I, I'm, I'm glad to see publishers doing. For what it's worth, by the way, Russell Enterprises, I just saw this before we started the pod, uh, they put out today just about all of the, the, the games and the notes, not, not the words, but the actual analysis from Karsten Mueller's newest book with them, Understanding Modern uh, Minor Piece Endings. Wow. I think he did it with someone else. I, I can't remember his name. It's a, a Russian fellow. He did the, the Understanding Rook Endings book with, with Gambit. Uh, so you can go and download this, and it's, it's just about every exercise in the book, every problem, every position in the book, with the, the moves, without the words for the most part. But you can plug it into Chessbase and read along and you know, test their conclusions with your engine if you so desire. It's, it's, it's a really nice value add. So uh, kudos to both New and Chess and to Russell for, for doing this. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's on top of, of course, the options of uh, forward chess or chessable when they're available. I mean, it's just... Which it's... we absolutely need to talk about, by the way, because that's in the past 14 months, I think that's a very big shift in the, in the chess landscape. I, I, I mentioned this in my January article, uh, my January review, where we renamed the, the column... Uh, it used to be called Looks at Books, and now it's called Books and Beyond because the the chess landscape, the publishing landscape, is really changing. Um, it's it's more than just books now. It's it's DVDs, it's video series. It's these platforms like Forward Chess and Chessable that give publishers a different way to present material to an audience. And also, I think also very importantly, and also a, a different way to monetize their books. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's kind of a win-win all around. Yeah, and I, I read that column, and yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's sort of like everything's morphing into just sort of one giant media, like educational chess entity. Um, you know, it's it's uh, like the books are living, breathing things now, as opposed to just being like you you know you publish the book um, and that's it. Like Chessable's constantly making corrections, and as you say, you're able to turn on the engine. Um, with whatever book it is you're reading, whether it be from downloading the PGNs um, or using uh, something like Forward Chess or Chessable. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's um, it's one of the many ways that, uh, I mean, I feel like uh, human knowledge is exploding in chess uh, through, um, through oh, like in no, in no small part to due to computers. And uh, AlphaZero is just one sort of giant tentacle of that, you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah, octopus or whatever. <laughs> and it's it's funny because you know the way I end the column, and again by the you know I, I feel safe saying this because by the time the this pod comes out, the column will be out. I, I ask the question whether or not Alpha Zero is really the game changer. Like you know, admitting that it, it shows us different ideas, different ways to play attacking chess that that humans probably didn't. I mean, we really we didn't think of before. Admitting all that is is Alpha Zero actually a game changer? And my answer was no. And the reason I said that is that unless something changes dramatically, Alpha Zero will go the way of Deep Blue. It will be uh, shuttered, it will be boxed up, and we as a chess-playing public will not have access to it. Mm-hmm. So for me, the real game-changer is Leela. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And I have, I have underrepresented Leela there. Shout out, shout out to Leela. Can you, um, for our listeners who aren't familiar, can you, can you, uh, tell, tell them the story of Leela as best you can? Sure. Or- Leela, yeah. Uh, Leela is a open source chess program that is modeled on the methods that were discussed in the first Alpha Zero paper that I think came out in December of 2017. And so right now, as we speak, there are people all over the world who are donating time on their computers, basically, and in particular their graphics cards, which is an important thing we'll have to mention. They're donating time on their computers to help train Leela. So AlphaZero is a self-training chess program, unlike Stockfish, where humans have largely shaped its, its uh, evaluations. Uh, by you know, especially now, but you know, there is an automatic testing procedure for different patches, but the patches are all created by humans. And if you plug a position into Stockfish, if you give it like the the Fen, the uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what Fen means. It's a, it's a string of uh, letters and numbers that that's the tele chess program what a position looks like. If you plug that into Stockfish, it will spit back to you an evaluation where it breaks down the position in terms of different things, mobility, space, weaknesses, outposts, different positional features that make sense to a human being. AlphaZero and Leela Chess have none of that. So they're functionally what the the great uh, French philosopher of science and technology, Bruno Latour, calls a black box. And I think this term is also all in computer science for what it's worth, but I'm not a computer scientist. I read a lot of Latour, so it goes. It's it's a it's a piece of technology, an artifact where you know what the inputs are, you know what the output is, right? You, the inputs are the the chess moves, the output is the move that the engine chooses. We have absolutely no idea how it makes that decision, because it's learned and it's created this this neural net with these different layers and different I I can't even describe it uh, that that somehow allow it to figure out what the best moves will be according to prob- uh, thinking probabilistically. Basically, it spins out different game continuations and it chooses the most promising one. Again, very different than Stockfish. Stockfish you know, gives you a, uh, a cent-a-pawn evaluation. It tells you white is ahead by 1.4 pawns. Whereas Leela and... Um, Leela translates it into pawns, which is why the evaluations look different, but internally it's giving you a percentage. It might say that it thinks white will win 70% of the time. Um, and that's – it's interesting. I think Jen talked about this in her, in her podcast with Natasha Regan. It, 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 it's, it's a very interesting way for chess players to think about positions. So, you know, like the, um, the, the, the Garia-Leon game that we talked about the other day uh, – that, that, that happened the other day that we talked about uh, previously – that's the sort of position, that endgame position, where where uh, Garyev has two pawns and a rook, and Liang had one pawn and a rook. It's probably a position that's drawn, you know, if, if play is best, but it's the sort of position where Garyev is slightly better and he can just lean. He can just lean on his opponent and wait for a mistake. And in talking to John Watson today, we were talking about this. Uh, we were talking about how a lot of modern chess seems to be like this. You know, somebody gets a position that is slightly better, and they just sort of lean on their opponent until the opponent makes a mistake, and then they win. Yeah. Um, and it, it would be very interesting to sort of use the Alpha Zero or Leela model to uh, Leela model to try to evaluate positions. You know, I, in in some sense, I think that's what Tal did. You know, uh, 
he, he didn't calculate everything. He couldn't possibly have calculated every single line, but he got a general sense that the the likelihood of the attack succeeding was more likely than not, and off he went. Yeah, yeah, and, and one other thing that should be added about Lila Zero is so this this um, open source um, computer that's in the mold of Alpha Zero uh, just had an epic match with Stockfish for the Computer World Championship. They have a couple different versions, but um, and it just narrowly lost. So, I mean, and this thing's been in development for, what, a year or two, John? Two just years? over a year. Yeah, just over a year. So, I mean, Alpha Zero, what it pulled off is maybe slightly more impressive, although, of course, there are the critics who complain about the quote-unquote conditions of what Alpha Zero did. I, I'm not one of those critics, but, I mean, I'm also not a, a huge expert on the topic. So, For, for what it's worth, uh, Sadler and Regan do a pretty good job of, of getting rid of those fears. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I read the book. I mean, some people – well, look – I <laughs> I don't want to. I I don't know enough about the topic to speak with great authority. I should say, but uh, I I don't think Google had a nefarious agenda. Let's or DeepMind had a nefarious agenda. Let's put well, it that way. for for what it's worth, I mean, they did have uh, the, these are computer science people, and the the conditions under which the first match were played, even to a layman's eye, were a little weird. Yeah, that um, one I agree. But you know, in the in the other matches that were played, and I think in the conditions of the games that, that were given to Sadler and Regan, I, I think everything was on the up and up. Yeah. Um, so, but I just wanted to give a little more background about like just how strong Leela is because, it, I mean, it's right there and it's still improving. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, Demise Hassabis, the founder of DeepMind, the other day uh, I saw a quote where he basically, he said what you said, that they're they're going to put alpha zero into mothballs basically and turn their attention in terms of uh neural networks to science and medicine, which you can't argue with them <laughs> no. for, for that decision. But, uh, but well, yeah, especially, I mean, it, the, the program uses proprietary software. So to release it would be very, very difficult for them. And it, it makes sense, but it's, uh, you know, as a greedy chess player, I want to play with it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm very glad to get the chance to play with Leela, even if it did require me to buy a very fancy graphics card to do it. Right. And one other thing, just to just to add something to what you mentioned about whether or not it's the true game changer. The, the thing that struck me most about uh, about Game Changer, the book and about Alpha Zero is um, the it was an amazing and energetic attacking style in the games. But because it was playing Stockfish 10, there were no outright combinations. So it was like this weird hybrid of uh, vicious attacking games, but Stockfish always defending fiercely and finding these uh, interesting ways to bail out. Yep. So I think it would have been interesting to, because, you know, Alpha Zero is presented as uh, the computer that has a more sort of um, feel based game compared to other engines. But if it were playing even Magnus Carlsen, if it were playing any human, I would have been curious to see what the combinations that ended the games would have been like. Um, yeah, that that definitely makes sense. There, there are some games that Sadler played against a few that he played out, I think, in the book, but but nothing like like what you're asking for. And I think I think those would be fascinating to see. Yeah, um, and and yeah, it'll be the, this whole. AI, um, neural network, and how it intersects with chess and how it affects uh, high-level chess 
as well as chess for for fish like us will, <laughs> will be interesting to see over the coming years. Uh, and so that's, that's one thing that um, as I try to restart my video series, um, one of the videos I will be trying to do is how to install Leela because I don't think there's a very good explanation available in video format. So hopefully yeah. that will be in the next few weeks. Good. I hope that, that your new job doesn't get in the way of your video series too much. So John um, has done a few videos about how to use Chessbase. In our first interview, we talked about this some, but John's got about three 50-minute videos going through just nuts and bolts. And I'm as I encouraged him then, I encourage him now to, to, maintain, to keep this project going. Yeah, it's it's the response has been very very good because you know, chessbase is a tool that every serious chess player needs to use, but my sense is that very few people are comfortable with the interface. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of work to get used to and you know, as I said in the in the previous podcast, um it's something I've been using since you know, DOS. So for me it feels very natural, but I realize it's not like that for everyone. So I will, uh, in these videos, be trying to show people how to do different things, like, you know, how to save games, how to create databases, uh, even basic things like, you know, how to create an opening file. That's something that I've been uh, sitting on as the next big video, and uh, hopefully it'll, you know, happen in the near future. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, I know I know you're busy, and I know that you're not getting great compensation for this. Although I did see that someone commented in the YouTube comments asking you about chess-based lessons. So, yeah. I- <laughs> If I had time, someone asked about a Patreon, um, you know, a Patreon account, and I, I'm very grateful that people think it's that worthwhile. But I, I sort of see this as me um, giving back to the chess community in some way. So that's nice, but it keeps you from doing the work, John. Yeah, this is the other part <laughs> of it. The well, catch, I mean, the catch twenty two. There's lots of things that keep me from doing the work. I mean, like you know, I like to see my family and stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah, that crazy. Old, that- that old bugaboo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the videos are great. I mean, I watch, I watch them, and it's like, even though you're trying to explain it to the layman, I, I like, I'm gonna need to rewatch. Uh, not the first one, the introduction one, less so, but the second one, when you get into all the different types of files, um, and yeah, like even those the little things, like this is kind of embarrassing for someone who's supposed to be a, a national master. But like seeing where you showed like Yun Ludwig and Hammer's um, opening files and I am Kostyukovutsky's and and your own, um, you know, legendary players across the board. <laughs> of course. Um, um, uh, I saw the different files for openings and I'm like, oh, they make different files for openings because I'm such a Luddite. When I use Chessbase, I just do an opening tree and then look through from there and then I just start over every time. So um, this will be over the heads of some people, some listeners and uh, other listeners are probably, uh, you know, equally Nodding inept. Their heads and saying, yeah. yeah, this is, so, this is me. So why, why do people create separate databases for their openings? Uh, neurosis. Oh really? There's no, I mean, it, 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 there's functional reasons too. I would think. Yeah, no, it's it's clinical. Oh. Now, <laughs> I, I think it's it's useful to have separate files for openings that you play, where you know you can do analysis and keep it and and sort of keep track of your ideas and you know incorporate your own games and pull in books and I mean basically use it as a sort of way to just keep track of the openings you want to play and 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 study them. <clears throat> um, you know, I there are a lot of different ways to do it. Um, I think Eric Kislik recommends basically that you just have two big databases, one for E4 and then one for everything else, and you don't differentiate between white and black versions of a line. 
Uh, I tend to keep my files by color. So my white openings, uh, my black openings, and usually I'll break the white, you know, the, each one down by E4, D4, C4, Knight F3, and then, you know, include the, the various flank things in there. And I'll do the same for black. Um, whatever systems I'm playing at the moment, I will try to have files ready so that, you know, on the rare occasions that I actually do get to play at this point, I uh, I can have a chance to uh, review them and, and try not to, you know, hang a rook on uh, move seven. Right. Yeah. What what databases are known for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're we're kind of bouncing around, but uh, but what's what's going on with your chess game, John? Uh, I barely know how the horse he moves. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Yeah, I no, I have the um the Nebraska State Championship in just on just under two weeks, and I feel woefully unprepared. But I will do my best. After that, um, I think I'm going to be playing in the Denver Open, which is at the end of April in Denver, and they're doing a really nice job. They're bringing in a lot of talent. Uh, they're not bringing me, and I'm paying my own way because right. you know. Uh, they're realists and, and not silly. But uh, Fishbein's going to be there. Uh, Tata Vabrahamian's going to be there. John Watson will be there. Um, a whole bunch of good people. And, and it, it definitely seems like it's going to be a well-run event. And then Great. after that, hopefully, you know, at, at least the U.S. to open. Okay. Well you're, well, you're doing more than I am. So so I commend you for still getting out there <laughs> despite uh, despite having a four-year-old daughter. And, and yeah, just just don't look at my MSA file after all those events because I'll be <laughs> like fourteen hundred and right. you know, crying. And has your daughter made her her debut yet? No, no, no. She uh, she likes to play with them, but mostly you know to to build castles like their Legos and nice. uh, you know Daniel Tiger shows up on you know E four and <laughs> has right. things to say. So it, it, we have fun with it, but. You know, at some point, if she wants to learn, that's great. And if not, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll be sad, but it'll be okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on the same, same. I'm in the same book, my uh, same page. Excuse me. My son is in. I, I teach one of his chess clubs, and he's there because, you know, we're not going to send him to aftercare, aftercare when I'm in the building. <laughs> but, but so far, uh, he could take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, and let alone my three-year-old, who's, you know, yeah, more into Peppa Pig, but. Okay, solid so, choice. We're uh, we're bubble guppies in our house right now. Okay, so let's bring it back to chess books before everyone listening turns off the show. <laughs> um, so we we talked about Game Changer. Let's get into Joel's book a little bit. So you had a rave review. I also greatly enjoyed it. So w- what did you like about Better Thinking, Better Chess? I, I thought it was like a. I, I thought it was a book written for me. Uh, to be honest, you know, I, I'm I'm an A player, and at least for now, and his book, the examples felt well suited for someone like me and they weren't you know white to move and win they were white to move and not hang a piece and and i don't mean that like in a very banal way i mean you know there's something two moves down the line that if you don't see it you're going to lose material so i thought the book was very well written i thought it was funny as i said in in the review even though there were a few dad jokes thrown in that that did make me groan but uh, you know, all in all, I mean, really one of the the best books I've seen in quite a while. Yeah, he's he's a talented writer, that Joel Benjamin. Uh, there was there was you know for for what it's worth in his in I think it was in ninety seven when when was it was it ninety seven when American Grandmaster came out? No, it was uh two thousand. It was in the two thousands. Okay, well, yeah, maybe two thousand five. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but there was a laugh out loud moment in there where he was talking about Gufeld and 
and how you know Goof, uh, Edward Gufeld was the sort of well-known, odious grandmaster. Yeah. Uh, you know, not very well liked by his peers, but he he delighted in showing everyone this this admittedly gorgeous game that he called his Mona Lisa, and Benjamin beat him badly in in some I think it was a U.S. Open in in Hawaii. And then just to rub it in, he would, you know, wander the Skittles room asking everyone if they wanted to see his Mona Lisa. <laughs> and I, 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 I nearly fell on the floor. I mean, maybe it's just me because I'm a sick person, but that sort of, you know, that was beautiful. And, Very, and you know, I, I can see it happening and it's, it's, ah. Yeah, someone, someone could do a compendium of Goofeld stories. <laughs> yeah. That the, the would be quite uh, cringeworthy and enjoyable at the same time. Unprintable, um, probably. Yeah. yeah, exactly. At least, uh, yeah, chess has come a long way. <laughs> let's let's yeah. put it that way. Um, so, Joel, obviously, one of your favorite books of the past year. Uh, one other thing we should mention is I know that you were remiss after our last interview that you rattled off 100 books and didn't mention the Boris Galfon books. So let's the get Galfon that in there books, now. Sure. Oh, I mean, I th- there's a third one coming sometime, and I'm... Um, I'm awaiting it right now. It, yeah, it's, and Jakob Argos swears that he's going to get Gelfand on the podcast, so we've got to keep the pressure on. You've got to get those Patreon viewers to help you you know, pay him off to make it happen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I mean, great books. I, I, I completely left out you know, Watson's books, too, which, you know, the, the Mastering the Chess Openings books, which, which even now are, are some of the best ways to learn the ideas behind an opening. I think you uh, did mention those. I, I hate to call you out, but I, okay. being, being that I listened in preparation for this interview, it's fresh in my mind. So well, that, and of but course, yeah, you know, they are great books. So. Secrets of modern chess strategy, chess yeah. strategy in action. Um, you know, definitely things that should be read by uh, serious scholars of the game. Um, but I mean, there's so many new books now too. I'm, I'm just thinking of some of the books from thinkers publishing who, who've just been absolutely killing it recently. The, um, You've had some of the guests on too. Romain Edwards, My Magic Years with Topalov. Mm-hmm. Have you read that yet? I'm I'm in the middle of it. And okay, because I have as I uh, I'm still in the same situation I was when I interviewed him. I read the excerpt that was made available, but I haven't haven't gotten my hands on the book yet. Yeah, it's it's a very honest, um, really well written story of his work with Topalov and. You know the the analysis is solid. It's it's really solid. Um, Kamsky has a book. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, it, it's, it's the, the analysis, the only word I can think of is Hubner-esque. You know, Robert Hubner, Hubner, uh, is famous for these, these analytical flights of fancy that go on for 40 pages. It, it's not quite that, but some of the, the game analyses go on for 20 pages. Wow. It's, yeah, it's a lot. So, and I think... I, and ha- is there some memoir in it as well, or is it? There mostly- is some, but it's fairly reserved. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, if he's listening to this or not, who knows? But <laughs> let's know, let's go. I'm going to guess no. Probably not. Uh, shout out again to big friend of the pod, Gautikamski. <laughs> right. Yeah. He, he. I would like to have seen him be a little more honest about, you know, his. His persona at that time in his life. This really covers, you know, his his rise from like '89 through when he first retired in the late '90s. Um, I think that's right. And and there there are some mentions of his father where he does sort of obliquely, you know, allude to the fact that his father was a little 
difficult, but I, I might like to have seen a little bit more of that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, for what it is, it's 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 a it's a really interesting deep dive into Grandmaster Chess, and as an analyst, I think he's you know dramatically underrated. Um, but it, it's definitely going to be it's going to take a certain sort of reader to get through that book. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, he's just. He's just such an incredible player that obviously if you're looking to get better at chess, that's that's going to have a lot of value to just sort of see the reams of variations that, oh, are, that are swimming absolutely. through these guys' heads. And and I suspect a lot of them really were going through his head. I mean, I, I heard him do analysis on ICC, and he he was you know as impressive as as someone like Svidler. You know, he he's really really good. Yeah. So. Probably, you know, if if you are really into deep analysis, that's a book to to strongly consider. Um, one other book that they published that I didn't even know about, it just showed up in my mailbox one day, was Thomas Luther's The Under 10 Project. It's about training young chess players. Oh, interesting. Um, it, it's weird. So they seem to have, like, three different layouts. Like, like, they have some layouts that kind of resemble books from Chess Evolution, they have some label, some layouts that I think are just glorified Word documents. I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just being descriptive. And then this third layout from Thomas Luther, it's, I think it's from a German company. Maybe they're just all like a, they're serving as a distributor. But if you have a junior player or if you do any junior teaching, it, it's, you know, he goes over common mistakes. He gives you problems to solve. It's, uh, it's definitely something to think about checking out. I, I'm, um, you know, I've dipped into it quite a bit trying to find a way to get it into a review. And uh, I, I think it's, yeah, it, it's definitely worth it if, if, if that's your lane in chess. Okay. And what's it called again? Uh, it's by Thomas Luther. It's called the under 10 project. The, okay. the rest of the title is, is eluding me. Okay. We'll, we'll find it. That's interesting. Yeah. sounds like he could be a good podcast guest too. He, well, I mean, he wrote, you know, he, he does a lot of stuff with disabled players in chess. Um, he did write Luther's oh, what is it? Luther's Chess Reformation, which is uh, that came out from Quality Chess. It's about his chess career and and how he works as a trainer for you know for very strong juniors. So uh, definitely someone that that might be a, an interesting guest. Cool. Um, any other books before we uh, we move on? How long you got? I mean, uh, yeah, it, it really is. It's, it's, I, I said this last time, but it's, it's an amazing time to be a chess literature fan. New in Chess has Jan Timmons' book, The, the Longest Game, which is about the, the Kasparov-Karpov matches. Um, great analysis, even better stories. I mean, you know, anything by, I'll, I'll buy anything by Timon. Yeah, I know you're a huge fan of um, his, his last book. Yeah, oh, it, this... I, I don't know if I like it as much, but that might be because, you know, the topic is he's sort of locked into the topic. But he, he, he tells you the background political stuff that, that, you know, you might not see anywhere else. And, I mean, you know, Kasparov's own analysis in, in the books on the matches and, and, I mean, generally speaking, is just so heavy Yes, and computer of reams of analysis. Yeah. 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 And, and Timon, he avoids that. So. You know, you get you get some corrections. He's actually very honest in the, in the preface. He says something along the lines of, you know, um, I've been able to find some problems in, in Kasparov's analysis, but that's because we're 10 years later and I have a better engine. And, you know, 10 years from now, who knows what they're going to find. Right. So um, he's very honest about it, too, which I really, really like. Quality chess, uh, affects book, uh, practical chess beauty. 
um, if you like problems or if you like creativity or if you just need something to really, you know, to slam your head against in training. Fantastic book, beautifully produced. Um, I know I've seen a little snippet of Boris Averick's forthcoming book. Hopefully we're going to be able to do an interview with him for U.S. Chess Online. Um, you know, for what it's worth, just as a complete aside, I mean, we're trying to do a lot of different things for US Chess Online. Uh, we have tactics, solvable tactics, just about every Wednesday. On some Thursdays, we have Throwback Thursdays where we go into history talking about, you know, like the 1940 US Championship or... Yeah, you're enjoying those. Yeah, but well, it's, it's a cost-benefit thing. I mean, you know, it took me three hours to write that thing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know that the readership justifies it, but we're, we're hopefully going to build that. So, you know, we're going to have all sorts of things, and one of the things we're trying to do is is also have links to the reviews. So we had Joel Benjamin do an interview with us uh, at the beginning of March when the review came out. Uh, I, I realize that's not always going to be possible. If I don't like a book, presumably the, the author will not be willing to sit for an interview with me. Um, you know, I, I guess all um, all publicity is good publicity, according to some folks, but some authors get a little mad when I when I don't like what they write. Yeah. I, Shocker. I've, heard, I've heard such things. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine. Yeah. Not, uh, not everyone loves you as much as I do, John. I, I've, I've been to tournaments where people have confronted me. Wow. Uh, that's yeah, intense. I, I've also been twice now. I've been recognized by people who have listened to the podcast, the, the first podcast and said, aren't you that guy? And it, it's been pretty cool to uh, to be recognized for you know a, a complete non person like me in the chess world to nice yeah I mean it doesn't happen that. to me much because I never leave my lair here in Princeton so I'm <laughs> glad glad it's happening to someone yeah um, I'm trying to think other books uh, McFarland just put out a few books that are really really good two of which I'm I'm going to try to review I'm in in the middle of finishing it I'm I'm late on the review apologies to Dan and Melinda for that hmm. um, Andy Soltis has a book uh, oh, about cool. Tal Petrosian's Oh, Spassky. right, yeah, the one he mentioned when he came on. Yeah, it's out. Oh, wow. It's good. I mean... Of course it's at, good. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything he writes, especially for McFarland, is really, really good, very well-researched. But this is... It's like butter. It's, it's, yeah. it's smooth, and, and you're going to learn a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's important to learn about the personalities, and you get a really good sense of the personalities and the games in that book. Um, I'm doing a dual review of... Robert Tanner's book on Vera Menchik as part of the May issue, which is devoted to women in chess, um, and also Alan McGowan's book on Kurt Richter. Um, I, I liked Richter's. I liked the Richter book better. I thought it was Sadler loved that book, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's what's not to like. I mean, Richter was an attacking machine, played beautiful games, um, was also a very uh, important writer in Germany. So if you have, I think. If you have a book called, I think Chess Combination is a Fine Art. It's this white book, and it says it's edited by Keres and Goals, G-O-L-Z. It's actually a collection of columns by Richter, and it's all these beautiful tactics that you won't find anywhere else. He was outstanding writer, and the good thing about uh, McGowan's book is that he sort of fills in the cultural context, too. So, you know, he talks about denazification. He talks about having to live in East Germany. Wow. Um, it's, 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 it's an immense, immense work. Um, so I, I was really taken with that, um, less taken with the book on Menchik. I, I thought it was, I felt like it stopped where the real research needed to start, if that makes sense. I, I felt like it, it covered all the bases. 
Um, even though the biography was only you know twenty pages, it, it had a lot of interesting new games of of Menchik's that um, that weren't generally available. But I, I, I felt like there was still some work to be done there. So um, yeah, so now you don't need to read my May interview, so uh, my <laughs> my May column, so. You know, but still, I mean, so much fodder, so many, so many books. I mean, it's just incredible because there's the back catalog of books, you know, like over time, over chess history. And then just to keep up with all the great books coming out is its own full time job. It's 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 shocking. And that doesn't even include, you know, the the videos, the the DVDs, you know, I mean, if if you're not on chess 24, I mean, if you're on chess 24 and you haven't watched the the videos about the world championship match, um you're missing out because to to see Gustafsson, Fresenay, and and uh, Peter Honey Nielsen talk about the games and talk about you know the the preparation and and where they thought they could have done better and to pay I mean you you couldn't pay for that kind of access you know yeah it's a and, lot of fun and you know you only have to pay fourteen ninety five or whatever it is it's it's yeah, it, that's definitely something to watch if you're interested in videos. Um, Marin's new DVDs from Chessbase on the English are also something I'm um, beginning to look at, and I'm I'm fairly optimistic that it's going to be a, a very solid release for Marin. I mean, he does you know all sorts of great things, but uh, his English stuff is, is usually well. I mean, the, the three books from Quality Chess are are legendary, uh, and I think these two DVDs will be a nice supplement and update to that. So when you uh, have to review like an opening book or um, a video series about an opening and it's not an opening you play, do you do you find that more challenging or do you have enough like broad interest about chess that it doesn't hold you back? I actually I tend to shy away from opening books. I, I tend not to do them as much as other things. I like history books. I like um, biographies. I, I like study book you know books of studies or problems. And and part of it is that you know opening books. If if I'm not playing it, they can be tedious to try to go through. Yeah, that, that was said, my thought as well. Yeah, I've I mean I've played just about everything very poorly over my my legendary chess career. <laughs> right. So you know I mean I I have some interest in a lot of things, but you know I mean you know there's there's an, a new Everyman book on the Nidorf that has come out, and you know I hear good things about it, but I suspect I, I won't be able to review it because I, I don't feel. You know, I don't feel terribly qualified to to have anything interesting to say about the Nidorf and 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 the lines that they chose. Um, you know, I, I will say that I do tend to try to play the things that I review. I, I try to make it useful for myself. So, you know, if it, it's no surprise to people who saw that uh, my best move that that I'm looking at, you know, things in the English, right? Because it, it's old man chess, and and that's where I am right now. So you are not a titled player. As you mentioned, you're an A player, which for people outside the U.S., that means your rating is around 1,800 USCF, which correlates reasonably close to FIDE. Um, yeah, but almost 1,900 FIDE. Oh, nice. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a while, I had the the higher FIDE thing going, too. Which it's, was... it's very rare, apparently. I guess, yeah. you know, most people uh, have a about 100 point higher USCF than, than, than FIDE, but... I play so so few FIDE events, and the good thing is they're usually longer, and um, 
I, I need all the time I can get to actually make coherent moves. So. Right, yeah, yeah, for the for the brain the brain wave to travel across to the other side of the brain. Yeah, you're, it's you're very in our, slow in, in my hand. <laughs> you're yeah. in our old anyway. age. Um, <laughs> so so the question was, uh, as someone who's who's an A-rated player, who's not a titled player, you've managed to um, to find a lot of work in the chess world. And I know that there are a lot of people listening. Um, well, I don't know for sure, but I imagine there are a lot of people listening who would like to, to do more in the chess world, whether it be as a side hustle or as, as you're doing, moving towards a full full-term gig full-time gig so what advice would you give to uh people who would like to do more work in the chess world yeah so you're right this is this is the second bite at the apple for me and um i asked ben if we could re-record this because uh i uh, the first answer we gave i thought was okay but um it, it got sidetracked there was a little too much uh spilling of the tea and uh, but you know I, I'm happy to talk about that with people. If you find me at the U.S. Open and buy me a beer, I'm sure I'll tell you whatever you want. Uh, but I, I thought the answer wasn't actually really useful. It didn't really answer the question that I was being asked. So for me, when I'm asked, you know, if people want to do what I'm doing, how can they do it? I think there's three questions there. Really, first one is what is it that I'm doing? Second one is how did I get here? Right? How did I end up? you know, writing for Chess Life Online and doing the book reviews and doing a bit of teaching here in Omaha. And then the third question would be, how could someone else potentially replicate that? So I want to try to talk a little bit about each one. And, you know, I mean, along the way, I mean, hopefully it's interesting, but at least it'll give you some insight into what I think I'm doing. Um, I, I think the key idea is that there's really, I think there's a thread running all the writing, you know, running through all the writing that I do. I'm consciously writing for the non-grandmaster. I'm, I'm consciously writing for class players in, in the tradition of someone like a Fred Reinfeld or a Horowitz or a, or a Chernev, all of whom were you know, much stronger players than I am, but I think they were doing something similar. And I tried to capture that in uh, the brand name for the video series and eventually hopefully for this book on Morphe uh, called First Look Chess. Um, it's, the idea is that this should be your first look at something whether it be chess base or Paul Morphy's games or E4, E5 or something like that. Um, and I think that's really, you can really see that in the book reviews. You know, I started doing the book reviews because I thought there was a need for reviews written for players like me. Um, when I started back in 2013, John Watson was doing uh, quite a few interview, uh, uh, quite a few book reviews, but you know, he's, he's a real player. You know, he's, he's a, yeah. he's a lead, leading theorist and the things that are obvious to him or the things that are important to him might not be important to a 1500 player. Uh, you know, Matthew Sadler, who's a, a brilliant writer and an excellent reviewer. Uh, I think I said this in the last, uh, in the last podcast. Um, you know, he, he's, he's reading the books on the train and playing through these games in his head. And I, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I thought there was room in the market for rigorous, um, well-written reviews from the perspective of a normal player. You know, someone who is struggling to learn, who's making god-awful mistakes in just about every game he plays. Uh, but importantly, someone who's buying the books that the publishers are selling. I mean, like, I'm their market. So I thought it would be interesting and important to have someone like me writing the reviews. Um, and there's an assumption there. There's, there's an assumption here, and, and part of the reason, by the way, that I, I asked been to let me re redo this is uh on you know i'm i'm actually back in omaha right now i, I flew home yesterday and in the airport i uh, picked up the the april issue of harper's 
and it has the, the the cover article is called "Like This or Die." That's a, that's really a good title. I'm impressed with it. Uh, the 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 decline of criticism in the age of the algorithm. Hmm. Timely, very. Uh, and you know, I started reading this, and I thought, well, you know, this is a a perfect way to sort of think about what it is that I'm doing as a book reviewer. There, there's an assumption that I think on my part that judgment can be trained through you know, a long process of reading books and thinking about books and writing about them, and that it brings something to the table that can't be captured in Amazon stars. You know, you, you people can disagree with particular judgments of mine, and they certainly have disagreed <laughs> um, with, with, you know, some of the reviews that I've written. Um, and you know, I think we'll, we'll definitely have to get into at least a couple of them. Um, but even then, you know, if it's not a knee-jerk reaction or if it's not, you know, someone saying, he didn't. He he wasn't a hundred percent positive about a book by my favorite person. Uh, boo! You know, yeah. if if it's not that, you're entering into a tradition of thinking about books in a serious way, and I I think there's value in that. So you know, I have ideas about what makes for a very good chess book. I I have high standards. Um, I expect things from books, and people can disagree with my takes, but I don't think anyone could read the things I write and and disagree with the fact that that I do have standards that are demanding and exacting and, um, you know, common to everything. I'm, I'm not changing my standards based on the, the, the type of book that I'm, I'm getting. You know, I, I'm not trying to do, like, TV recaps here. Um, you know, like, after, you know, in the article they talk about The Sopranos and, and the, the recaps you saw, or uh, after any sort of David, David Simon, uh, you know, amazing television show, you see the, the recaps on the Internet, and people break down the, the plot and they sort of pick out the, the interesting little Easter eggs and the things you might not see. And that's what passing for criticism is today. And, you know, no that's, one is doing yeah. no one's doing this for, you know, garbage TV. Like, uh, and I say this with love because my wife and I binged the whole thing. Uh, Below Deck, have you seen this show? No, don't know that one. Oh, boy. Uh, it's, it's the Jersey Shore of the Sea. That's the only way okay. I can explain it. Uh, yeah, if if anyone needs mindless, you know, fun TV that you're just going to shake your head at and then continue to let Netflix just go and go and go, yeah, uh, Jersey Shore, uh, uh, Below Deck is about yachties, people who work on pleasure yachts, and uh, who it's it's is it's, it reality TV? Allah, oh yeah, Shore? yeah, okay. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there it's you know they've they're people really working. It's like you know this this one captain, yacht captain, and the people who work for him, and they're all just they're all crazy, <laughs> but it's 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 beautiful. Um, you know, no one is writing these TV recaps of that, right? right? Except in a very sort of demeaning way, and I think criticism has to deal with good and bad. I mean, it has to it has to show both sides, and you know that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I mean, let me give you an example: uh, the the Shushevsky book, um, the the Shushevsky method that came out last year. Um, I was the only person who who figured out or at least was willing to say that there were very serious structural problems with the book. Yeah, just to give a little background, this is Mikhail Sheroshevsky, the legendary author of, uh, the, what's the Endgame book called? Do you, do you remember? Endgame Strategy. Endgame Strategy, just an incredible book. But then he came out with this one, and John wrote a, um, John pointed out that some of this material appeared to be lifted from another source, um, and, and, uh, chaos ensued in Facebook chat groups. So anyway, yeah, anyway yeah. take it from there, John. Well, you know, the thing is that, you know, 
there are there are standards in the publishing world for using other people's material. You can't simply just put quotes around six pages of text and say that it's okay, right? You can't. I mean, he did that in in a in a chapter called "Laziness of All Things." He he basically just you know took. 90% of the text from a John Nunn book and plopped it in there and was like, hey, I'm done. <laughs> you know, and, and I, uh, like, as I said in the review, um, I, I'm not a lawyer, but having been in the academy for a long time, I, you know, I know what fair use is, and that was not fair use. Uh, and people just went crazy because they, they ignored the fact that this had gone on and that you know, the, the author and the publisher had not that they hadn't caught this, or or they 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 let it they let it go. They they let the book come out, and they were instead focusing on well, it's really valuable that you know John Nunn said this, so why shouldn't it be in the book? And how do you know about this? And why are you so angry about Shashevsky? I'm not angry about it. I'm I you know it's not personal, it. But there was a problem here, and book criticism, if nothing else, should be able to catch something like that. And yeah, it, it was a really, it was a bizarre, I mean, it was a bizarre situation. So, you know, to me, I, I'm, I'm, Chess Life gives me the space to do long-form criticism where I can write about something like that. And I, th- I think it's, I'm grateful that they let me do it, and I think it's really important that they're letting someone do it. Yeah, um, I mean, the only thing I would add, I mean, I'm uh, on your side on this issue, of course. I think, uh, you know, stuff, someone needs to, to, we need to hold ourselves to a high standard and, and yeah. present ourselves as um, a professional endeavor um, but the chess world is so insular that someone always knows someone. So when you criticize, as you sort of alluded to a few minutes ago and has come up in other, uh, reviews of yours, when, when you write a negative review, like someone's friend is gonna, gonna read that. Um, and like some non zero percentage of the people reading it are going to know the person being reviewed. Whereas like when John Grisham gets a negative review. Yeah. It's like, okay, I mean, a few people know him, but the, compared to the percentage of the people that may be reading the book, it's uh, it's pretty negligible. So I think that there's just this knee-jerk defend-my-friend thing, um, yeah. let alone professional interest. Well, I mean, you know, the, the Jay Bonin book review is really the, the, the paradigm case of this. Um, yeah. You know, and I, for background on this one, um, Jay Bonin is a legendary uh, New York IM. Probably, I think when I interviewed Michael Rode, he of course mentioned Jay Bonin. He plays more games than anyone. Uh, super nice guy, very very strong player. And uh, John's John's review of Jay's book, I didn't think was it was uh, it wasn't uniformly positive. We'll say. Yeah. It, well, I mean, what I. <laughs> When I was a kid, Jay Bonin, like I, I remember, and I, I wrote this in the review. I remember meeting Jay Bonin and I'm thinking, "My God, he's a real—he's an international master here in the flesh." Yeah, and you know, I mean, in in New York, like he's like playing him because he plays so much. He, it's like a rite of passage for kids. Exactly. You know, Hikaru, quite often Fabiano. Yeah, yeah he, he's like he's like the first I am they play, and 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 you know, quite often, and and it's mostly because you know he he just plays so much and so much. For a lot of people, he's the first I am they beat. Yeah, you know, and it's they, not they, and he's strong. It's just you get lots of chances. That's you, you get a lot of bites at the apple. Exactly. Yeah. Eventually, you just you know. Eventually, the numbers are on your side. Eventually, you win. Um, not that I've ever. I've, I've got a terrible score them. against him. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, but you know, so so I wrote this review, and and I said, you know, I, I said I thought there was great value in the book in in the way that it explained uh, some of his thought processes in game. Um, I stole some of the openings. And I've played them myself that they discuss because there's sections about the, the openings he plays. But I said that the book was sloppy. 
and it is. Um, there are, you know, analytical errors that, you know, should should have been caught right away. In in the the preface, Greg Keener says that they used the engine, they used Houdini to check everything. They didn't. Um, there are factual problems. There are you know dates that are wrong and places that are wrong. I wanted more from the book. I, I think I think any any chess book should meet minimum standards of accuracy, and, and this didn't do that. And I said that. And predictably, the New York chess crowd just was not pleased. Um, and it actually provided a really, really good lesson for me. You know, um, there are going to be trolls everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I learned this. Um, you know, I, I learned this after the the Eric Kislik review uh, that I did last year, where I had a, a largely laudatory review of Kislik's book. Um, God, the, the title is eluding me at this point. I can't remember. I mean, I you know. Uh, oh, logic. It's about chess and logic. Uh, but anyway, I, I said the book was was poorly written and needed a serious edit. And and I think that's true. I think anyone who reads the book will will just wonder why it's so rambling, and why there's so much sort of self promotion involved. The ideas in there are absolutely astounding. And and anyone who is interested in improving in chess, like in a really really serious way, should read the book. But there are problems with it. It's called applying logic in chess, by the way. Thank Just, you. Yeah. Thank you. That's why we keep you around. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, there were what appeared to be coordinated attacks on anyone who who had anything bad to say about the book, and uh, I'm sure I'm going to get, you know, some blowback from just even saying this, but. These things are real, and one of the most important lessons I have had to learn, I'm still learning, um, and I think anyone who's interested in writing about chess has to learn, is that you have to ignore it. You can't, you can't read the comments. You know, once I've had my review, once it's out there, I've said my piece, and other people are free to do what they want, and they can say what they want. Um, they quite often do. You know, whatever the, 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 the assessment may be, I think the one thing that people cannot seriously challenge about my writing is that it's honest you know i'm i'm telling you what i think of the book and i'm i'm not pulling my punches and you know a- after that i just have to accept the fact that people are you know are, are they're going to be wrong <laughs> you know, they're they're they're, they're, they're going to misunderstand what i'm writing or they're going to willfully misread it and you know i mean so it goes so. yeah and the criticisms are always going to stick with someone more than any praise you might get um, Especially, as you say, in, in such a small world, you know, yeah. I mean, just world is so small. And so, I mean, I know some of the people who, you know, who have been uh, most loudly angry about some of the things I've written. And it's hard because I respect them. And, uh, you know, but I also have to understand that they're entitled to their opinion as well. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, so just to get to r- wrap this all back up, I mean, I think there's a thread in the things that I'm doing. My My writing for Chess Life Online... Um, you know, I'm when I do like game annotations. I mean, you know, there is a lot of hubris in me trying to annotate a game of you know Nakamura against Garyev, right? Uh, like, a, like in round six of the, I'm I'm, I'm working on my round six report right now um, to to go up on Chess Life Online today, and you know, to put notes in a in a game that Nakamura plays is is how could someone like me do that? Right. Right. Yeah, I don't um, I don't envy you. No, I mean, and you know, and, and let's be honest, just like everyone else, uh, you know, just like Peter Doggers at Chess.com, um, just like the guys at Chess24, part of what I'm doing, you know, in an event like the U.S. Championship is I'm watching the video, and I'm watching the, uh, you know, the comments that the players make in the little post-game interviews, and I'm trying to figure out how to put that into game form in chess base and then publish. Um, 
But, you know, whereas we hire someone very strong to do original annotations, and I, I hope we can, you know, right now we have Kostya Kavitsky doing exclusive notes for the games for Chess Life Online, and I'm hoping to bring more of that to, to the website. What I can do is, you know, I can play out the mates, right? So if there's a mate in a position, I can explain the mate, I can show the different lines and show how the mate might, might work, or I can show you the consequence of accepting a sacrifice. And sometimes, you know, strong players, they just, they know it, right? They look at it and they say, oh, okay, you know, if they're, they're there and they lose. Well, I have to spell it out for myself. And I think I'm writing for the kinds of players who have to have it spelled out for them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's the same thing is true in my teaching. When I teach people who are struggling to learn, you know, I have some ideas to where, where and why they struggle because I suffer the same things. And I'm trying to include that in the writing. Uh, the Paul Morphy book, if it ever gets done, I, I have you know two thirds of a book of Mor- on Morphy sitting on my hard drive, and it's the exact same thing. Um, you know, Morphy's games are not they're not complete mysteries, but they're also not easy at all for a beginner to figure out what's going on and why. You know, how does Morphy get these beautiful attacks? How did he understand how to how to sacrifice and when? Um, you know, even ba- you know basic things like occupying the center and developing your pieces they're not obvious to beginners. Um, I mean, they're, they're not obvious to me in a lot of my games. So that's the sort of thing I'm trying to do. Even, you know, the video series, uh, chess-based videos on uh, on my YouTube channel, it's the exact same thing. People have been using chess-based for 20 years. They just know how to do things. And I've shown people how to, you know, how to use a computer to try to improve. And they don't need to know, you know, how to analyze the Petrov 30 moves deep and use the engine, the cloud engine, to you know, go 40-ply deep and, and find some little tweak that'll let them have a tiny advantage. They need to know how to save a game or, or how to understand Stockfish's output. Um, they need to know if they can train against an engine and like, practice an ending. All that is, that's all what I'm trying to do. And, yeah. and um, I think all of that sort of feeds into the question of how I got here, right? Because, you know... We have to be honest. I'm I'm an outlier. Um, I'm I'm incredibly fortunate. A lot had to come together in very specific and really unlikely ways to end up, you know, writing for the magazine to end up writing for Chess Life Online. Yeah, I, I started I started a blog. I mean, that, that's it started with a blog, and I, I went to a, a Chess Journalists of America meeting at the U.S. Open, and I went because I met uh, I met some guys in the in the playing hall. And they were playing a game, and it was empty, and I was taking pictures because I just you know, like to take pictures. I'm a terrible photographer, but I, like, I thought, this is interesting. What are these guys doing? So I started taking pictures, and I talked to them. And it was Frank Nero and Jeffrey Rowland, who were, I think, uh, Frank's in, in Kentucky, and Rowland is in Seattle? I, I don't know. But they were both involved with Chess Journalists of America, and they were trying to play games in like every new state that they were in together. So they're playing a game, and it's going to be rated. I take a picture and I talk to them, and uh, they say, oh, we're Chester and of America. I said, oh, I have a blog. I do book reviews. The next thing I know, uh, by hook or by crook, I ended up winning the award for best blog. Just random. You know? um, I, I start talking to Dan Lucas, who's, yeah. who's at the meeting, and I, I say, Dan, I do these reviews. Uh, would you be interested in them occasionally? Sure. So I end up doing one review for him, uh, Jacob Agar's positional playbook. That was the first review I did for them. I did more reviews. Eventually, they decided... I was coherent enough to take over the column full time. You know, I I kept doing this. I, I mostly who did you hit take my... over for? By the way, do you remember? Well, uh, it, it was basically a hodgepodge of people. I think they just got uh, they they asked random people as needed to 
few different projects. I knew Ben Ben Feingold did quite a few. Uh, Alexi Root has done some. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was it was all sorts of people. They didn't have a full time book reviewer for a long time, and so you know I I just kept doing it. And eventually they decided it was easier to have me do it every month and have to you know keep coordinating new people, and uh, you know so it went. Um, you know, I mostly hit my deadlines. <laughs> I kept going to organizational meetings. I made myself useful. And then when the Chess Life Online job came up, you know, both Dan and Jen knew exactly what they'd be getting. And, and here we are, you know. Um, but so there's a lot of luck. But I, I think it's also, like I was saying, with, you know, trying to figure out what it is that I do. You know, I've built a reputation for being very demanding and exacting in my reviews. Um, I have standards and I don't deviate from them. And I think having a voice... A critical, clear voice is important. It sets you apart. There, are, you know, there are people writing for websites right now who, you know, are, are ostensibly doing reviews, and you know, to me, they feel like glorified press releases. You know, there, it's everything is good, it's everything is brilliant, and 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 you should buy this. And I feel like readers are smart enough to see through that. So when someone reads my column they're not going to agree with everything I write. I mean, that, that's impossible. But they know that they can trust that I'm giving it to them straight, that I'm, yeah. I'm, telling, it, you know, I'm, I'm telling you what I really think. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, being honest, I mean, I, I'm sure you've experienced this. You know, there, there are chess teachers out there. I, I don't do a whole lot of teaching right now. Um, I, I do some. And there are chess teachers out there who will promise the parents the moon. They'll be like, I can make your kid a grandmaster. You know, mm-hmm. I can... and. It's, it's a lie. <laughs> no right. one can do that. Um, you know, so what I tell them is I say, look, you know, at the end of this, 50 years from now, if your kid can sit down, if they're traveling in Moscow and play a game of chess with somebody, if they still love the game like that, that's me doing my job. You know, they, they'll learn important life skills like thinking ahead and, and considering other people's opinions um, or considering other people's ideas and, and working hard at something. Yeah. That's what they'll learn. And, and, you know, if they do the work, they'll get better. But I can't promise that. Um, you know, I, I think being honest and having a, a having a, a being known for your honesty, I think, is important, even when it's you know uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I agree, and I do think that um, that that's contributed to your success. But as I said in our um, our rough draft of this this um, <laughs> topic, um, I mean, of course, we can't sell short that that. In addition to your honesty and your writing, you've done the work. When when people hear you talk about chess books, I mean, it's pretty clear. Like, uh, you're not you're not um, BSing your way through the conversation. You no, were. and and I, I think that's that. I mean, you know, writing is a muscle, right? And yeah. and you know, and and to be a good writer, and I, I think I'm a decent writer. Um, you have to practice, and and part of that is reading. I mean, you have to read everything. You know, I mean, the I, I've seen people say he can't possibly read all those books. If I review it, I read it. You know, if it's an opening book, you know, do I play through every single line in the book? No. But guess what? No one does. Right. I mean, you know, no one is reading every single line in Boris Averick's book unless, you know, it's one of Fabiano's assistants, you know, putting in the chess base for him. I mean, <laughs> you know, these are, these are, it would take months to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm reading the book. I'm evaluating it based on a lot of experience with this stuff. And, and I'm giving you an, an honest opinion. So, you know, it, it takes time, but, you know, I can't discount the fortune I've had in getting here. So, 
you know, I've worked very, very hard. When the door is open, I've been there to go in. But, you know, that the door opened, I think, is, is something that none of us can control. And that's, you know, like the third part of the question that I think you were really asking. And I know this is, you know, this is going on a long time. But I think this is really, really important for people to understand. There are not a lot of jobs in chess like this. Um, and there's a lot of luck and contingency that goes into landing in something. So I, I think, you know, if, if this is what you want to do, if you want to write about chess, you have to view it as a side gig. Because the chances that it becomes more than that are very, very small. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, my friend Mike Klein uh, has a, has a different story about he how he became, um, you know, started Fun start Funmaster <laughs> Mike himself started out my, as a writer. My, my and, chess kids love him. They the, oh the kids God, I teach at Brandel Talbot. They, they they're like, do you know Funmaster Mike? I was like, yeah, I, I met him. It's, yeah. it's hilarious. Yeah, he's it's, bigger than Carlson. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really funny. But yeah, I mean, he tells the same story. I mean, obviously, he's uh he's very talented um and really knows his stuff in his own right. But there's still some serendipity involved of uh, catching breaks along the way uh, in chess as in any other field. Um, yeah. And if I were just to summarize from my perspective uh, the reasons for your success in, into two bullet points, it would be um, identify a niche is number one, and yep. number number two is go all in. Um, do you yeah. know? Just, yeah, and that's the thing. I, I think I think you have to, you know, if you're going to do it, you have to do it. So it means, you know, starting with, starting very very small. Um, every state chess association has a state journal. You know, there, there's like you know, New York has um, Empire Chess. Uh, Nebraska has the Gambit. Where my my very first things I ever wrote in chess were in the Gambit, and it's you can find them online. You know, start there. Go to the editor and say, "Hey, can I write something for you?" And and you know those things you're going to have to do for free because there's no money there. Um, my, I think my first reviews were for British Chess Magazine, and I did those for free because I just wanted to see my name in print and I wanted to get my foot in the door. Yeah, um, and even beyond and, writing, I mean, there's so many YouTube presenters uh, and Twitch streamers. I mean, and the people who who really break through are the ones who who pick one thing and they just keep doing it. Yeah, this uh, who's uh. Aglamador? How do you say Yeah, his name? exactly. I, you I know this guy? Really, yeah, I'm not personally. I hope to get him on the show sometime. Uh, he, I get a, lots of emails. Yeah, he's a he's a machine. Well, and the thing, I mean, you know, you know, people, you know, they say, oh, well, Hartman's an A player. What can he? Po-? The guy's rated two thousand. Yeah, you know, and and he's he's sitting in his he's doing what I do. He's sitting in his office at home, and he is making, I mean, brilliant videos that people love. I don't know if it's voice or if it's like the chill music or the if dog. it's just the total. That, that the dog is important, um, but I mean, like the whole vibe, it all comes together, and and people love it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's really really cool. There there is room for people like this. Um, you know, I see streamers just going you know going on Twitch every now and again. You know, they're rated fourteen hundred, and and people like it. Cool. You know, yeah. there, there's room. There is room for you, but you need to find you need to find what works for you, and then you need to work. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, and ultimately, like, I think you have to you have to love it. If if you, you know, if you're in it for the money, it's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna happen, right? Uh, unless you're you know very very fortunate and YouTube, you know, loves you. So, you know, like if if I were trying to hire somebody for Chess Life Online, um, and please don't send me stuff on spec, people. I I don't I don't have a budget yet. <laughs> um, you know, those are the sorts of things I'd be looking for. I'd be looking for somebody who has a track record, who can send me samples. I'd be looking for someone who has a clear voice in what they write, someone who I'm not going to have to edit and edit and edit, um, and, you know, and someone who, who it's evident that they care about what they do. 
and you know all the, the you do those things and you know i'm going to find you you don't have to find me yeah. you know um one other thing that i think is really really important is is don't be afraid to ask other people for help so you know dan lucas has been incredibly huge in my career and you know whenever i have a question uh you know I, I want to bounce an idea off him. I, I give him a call and we talk things through and he helps me understand what I'm trying to figure out, you know, um, in, in a different way. I mean, John Watson has done the same thing for me, you know, so there are people out there who will help you. You know, somebody wants to ask me a question, send me an email. I'm, I'm happy to respond if I have time. Um, and, and, you know, my family has certainly given me enough space to try this out. And, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, without my wife telling me a few years ago that it looked like, like chess wasn't a hobby, it was becoming, it was arcing towards a career. I mean, I, I never would have done this. So yeah. other yeah. people are huge in this. Yeah, I don't. me too. If, without my wife giving me the go-ahead. Yeah, I mean, cause, I mean yeah, you spend a lot of time on this. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. and then you could be upstairs, you know, not, not down in your man cave, uh, right. you know, doing, you know, family things. But without that space, you know, I, I wouldn't do this. I'd, I'd feel guilty. Yeah. Um, okay, well, John, I think uh, I think that you you the 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 redraft was worth doing. Um, this is I, this I is excellent so. advice. Um, I mean, it's 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 definitely less tea spilly, um, but that's good because yeah, yeah there were some. I, I'm not trying to be mysterious, but yeah, that yeah, this is way better. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and and uh, we ran through your contact info in the first draft, but I'll just say I, I made a note, so um, I'm going to put in the show notes your YouTube channel. Your yep. book review link, your Twitter handle, and of course, people should be reading you and everyone else on uschess.org. Absolutely. Um, anything I left out? Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, just, you know. And I'll put your email address since you mentioned if anyone wants to email. I mean, you can tell me which one offline, but. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll just do the, the US Chess one. Okay. And, uh, but I mean, seriously, people, please come to, you know, listen to the new podcasts on US Chess. Come check out the website. We're, we're trying to make it a destination for American chess players. Um, and you know, I think we're making some progress towards that. So come tell us what you think and, uh, help us make it grow. Yeah. And the website in particular, it's not, it's not going to be just, you shouldn't limit yourself to American chess players because, um, I mean, of course it's going to have an American angle, but people who love chess, I mean, they, they, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, so, I mean, even something, something simple like, um, you know, not, not to extend this further, but you know, one of the things I want to do just, just as an idea, um, did did you happen to see the the Foyzer crush game in in the U.S. Championship that just happened? Uh, it was doesn't the, ring a bell. So, so there was like a it was a queen and pawn versus queen. Ending. Oh yeah, the I, super long game. Yeah, the super long one. I mean, one of the things I want to do even is something as simple as like show you that ending and sort of show. You, I mean, because you know when Yasser and Jen and and Maurice were talking about, it, they're like, oh, it's obvious. You put the queen in the other corner. You put the king in the other corner, and you just defend, defend, and check, and watch out for cross checks. I had no idea what they were talking about. Right. So, you know, something like that, you know, even though you're not an American player, right, even if you may not be interested in Foyzer or Crush, maybe you're interested in, in a Queen End game, you know, and, and how to play that. And that's the sort of thing I'm going to be writing about. So come and check it. And even if you don't care about, you know, Fabiano Caruana and, uh, you know, his, his uh, now destroyed draw streak, uh, you know, maybe you're just interested in chess. Come check us out. Um. Cool. So, yeah. And so you guys know where to find him. And uh, yeah, John. So as we said last time, hopefully we'll uh, we'll do this again um, when you uh, either in a year or so or when you <laughs> when you've got a project um, that that comes to light. Perfect. And I, I promise to be less wordy next time. Although I said that la- <laughs> I said that last time, too. So, you know. 
No, but so, no, uh, but yeah, as, I, as I've mentioned, your first one was super popular, and I'm sure this one will be as well. So I hope so. All right, John, uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone who makes Perpetual Chess possible. Of course, that includes Matthew Passy, my producer, and Geert Vandervelt for supplying the intro music. I also want to thank everyone who helps spread the word about the show. That includes people who tell their friends, tweet about it, share on Facebook. Apparently, Instagram is a thing. Every little bit helps grow the show. But most of all, I want to thank people who support the show financially. I've said this before, but Perpetual Chess is my most gratifying but least paying work. If everyone who listened to the show were able to kick in $1 a month, it would be my best paying and most gratifying work. So I want to thank those who are able to provide financial support. That includes extra special thanks to Chessable.com, Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, Dan O'Hanlon, Greg Shahadi, John Jernigan, and Todd Bryant. And I also want to thank all of my Patreon and PayPal perpetual partners. Here comes the list. You guys ready? Here we go. Ace Vallega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adam Vrancourge, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, Benjamin Handelman, BetterChessTraining.com, Bill Moran, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Mullis, I am Carlos Perdoma of ChessAtlanta.com, Chad Hilton, Chad Oliver, Chris Balcom, Chris Flanagan, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Chabri, Christopher Wood, good job, Christophers. I am Christoph Zalicki, a.k.a. Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Daniel Gell, Daniel Ginsburg, Daniel Lucas, Daniel Naylor, Daniel Schaefer. Good job, Daniels. Dave Saylor, David Cramley of Chessable.com, Dwayne Edmonds, Ethan Smith. I am Elect Donnie Ariel Esquire, Fox Valley Chess Club of Aurora, Illinois, Frank Tortoris, MD, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vandervelt, Gerard Barta, Giovanni Russo, Harish Srinivasan, GM Jakob Ogar of Quality Chess Publishing, James Bonastia, Jason Willem, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, John Fernandez, John Fartentain, John Hartman, Jen Shahadi, Jens Green, Jerry Wells, John Thompson, GM Josh Friedel, Kari Christensen, WGM Katarina Namsova, Kelly Palmer, I am Kostya Kovrutsky, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Laura Beljavsky, Lucio Casada Silva, Matthew Passi, Martin Habich, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, the mysterious Moon Master 9000, Mr. Michael Shahadi, Nate Salon, Nathan Webster, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passy Passanen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Peter Merrifield, Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Rob Lazorchek of DiplomatChess.com, Robert Steiner, Ryan Berg, Scott Doherty, Scott McKinnon, Steiner Lima, The Law Office of Stuart Katz, WGM Tatyav Abrahamian, Thomas Casper, Thomas Stanek, Thomas Tachenko, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com. His book is coming accessible. Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Victor Vrinkush, FM Zhao Cheng of Chess1000.com, and Zhivko Stoyano. Thank you, everyone, and I will catch you all next week. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.